Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. This week, we have a special guest with us to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. Good morning. Uh, it's good to see y'all this morning. I'm glad I could be here. I got a call um, this morning, and it was from Glenn. And when I saw his number, I said, or his name, I said, I'm late. I knew it. He said, you on your way? I said, yeah, I'm just sitting here at Wells Fargo. He goes, good, because we started 1045, which that was the time he called me. So anyway, <laughs> us Baptist guys, you know, 11 o'clock is like just in our head. I know he told me, I just didn't pay any attention to it. So, uh, But then again, I wasn't, the, I wasn't the only one pulling in at the same time. So I was like, well, at least somebody else is on the same clock I am. But, uh, but anyway, it is good to be here with y'all uh, this morning. Uh, I started to mess with Glenn a little bit and be like, what, today's Saturday, I'm, I'm still in bed and just kind of mess with him a little bit, but uh, uh, I didn't want to give him a heart attack, I don't want to do that to, uh, to Beth, but, um, but anyway, uh, so this morning we're going to talk about some serious stuff, real serious stuff, we're going to talk about some heavy things this morning, so as you see before us, we have a table uh, ready, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper later this morning, um, and I want you to think about that for a minute, what does that mean for us? Why do we observe the Lord's Supper? This could be interactive. You can talk back with me. It's okay. I know it's church, but you're not going to get slapped. I promise. Why do we? Okay, good. So now think about this for a minute. And this is going to tie into what we're talking about this morning. But why did Jesus have to come die on that cross for us? I heard it. Somebody said it. There you go. Wages of sin is death. Now, apart from Jesus Christ, what happens if we die and we don't know him? I heard it. Who said it? Go on, say it again. There you go. So, that's what I actually what I want us to talk about. Uh, Glenn told me that we were going to be doing communion this morning, and I was thinking about it. I'm like, I just finished up one on the topic of hell. I'm like... Man, that's really good to, 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 that's too good to pass up, you know, especially when we're talking about communion. Um, so that's what we're actually going to be talking about this morning is I want everybody to leave here this morning knowing that there is a hell. And I'm going to tie that in as to why that should be so important for us, okay? Uh, if you do have your Bibles this morning, I encourage you to get them. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the book of Revelation. Like I said, we're talking about some deep stuff this morning. So we're going to be in Revelation chapter 21. Uh, but I want us to look at this and just uh, think about the subject a bit uh, of hell this morning. So as I was getting this ready, uh, and I apologize to Ms. Nichols, I told her this morning, I said, you're going to get a repeat of what you just heard because, like I said, I just did this and it was just too good to pass up. But um, <clears throat> as I was doing some, some studying forward, trying to find out a little bit more about this message, I came across a, um, a Gallup poll, I believe is what it was. Yeah, it was a Gallup poll. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. In that Gallup poll, they found amongst, um, amongst practicing Christians and just people on the sidewalk as they come into contact, I'm not sure exactly how they do these polls, but uh, the group of people that they surveyed, 58% of them, only 58% of them believed in the devil and in hell. Now you think about that for a minute. Only 58% of people believed in the devil and in hell. Now, I want you to think about the world that we're living in today. Think about the things that we're seeing the, uh, some of the political things, we just see some of the, the, the trends in society. Think about all that stuff we're seeing. 
And then think about what I just told you. 58% of people. Only 58% of people believe in, in Satan and believe in hell. It kind of shows, doesn't it? Because even though 58% is technically a majority, it's not a very big majority, is it? A huge chunk of our population does not believe in Satan. They do not believe in hell. That's really scary, and that should be very uh, shaking for us as, as believers and as Christians. Because if it weren't for hell, if hell didn't exist, then what did Jesus really die for? You know, you think about that. If hell doesn't exist, it makes that sacrifice on the cross pretty unimportant, right? We're taking away little things that make the cross so wonderful. We're taking away little things that turn into big things. And we're diminishing that sacrifice that we see on the cross or that we read about and that we know about and that we believe in. So I want us to consider for a minute the state of society. It's no wonder that so many people don't believe in hell, that they don't believe in Satan by the way that they're living. If we were to look in Scripture, probably one of the, the biggest cities or two cities that will pop into our mind would be Sodom and Gomorrah. And we think about, you know, if they took this same Gallup poll there, they probably would find pretty similar, maybe more, I don't know, but pretty similar results, right? And we see what happened to them. This should be a statistic that's pretty alarming for us. Uh, we act uh, as if hell is a joke sometimes. Now, I want you to think about it. Uh, in your mind's eye, I want you to picture Satan for a minute. Okay, now does anybody feel, feel open to sharing me what they're picturing Satan as? Beautiful. Okay, anybody else? If you went to Walmart right now and asked a bunch of folks to uh, give you an image of the devil, what do you think they'd probably tell you? There's this little red fellow with horns and a pitchfork, right? Um, we think of that kind of stuff, and, and you think about where do we get that kind of image from? So uh, my little fellas, I got, I, we got three kids. We got a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. And um, they love cartoons. Imagine that, right? So they're old men. They like the old cartoons. Uh, and they were actually watching one the other day, and Bugs Bunny was dressed up as the devil, right? He had this little, looked like really loose pajamas or something like that on. He's running around with a pitchfork. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, we see that kind of stuff in cartoons. And it kind of makes this cartoonish little fun image, if you will. Uh, and I use fun loosely. Uh, but we see this kind of stuff. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Is there anybody in here who has a, a, uh, a great phobia of Bugs Bunny? Or any other kind of cartoon character? Do we have anybody in here that's just scared to death of, you know, Pokemon, for example? The only thing I'm scared of with Pokemon is my bank account, okay? Because them things are expensive. But, but anyway... We don't typically get scared of things like a cartoon character, right? So if we think about the devil in this cartoonish uh, mindset, we don't usually take it very seriously and we don't think of it as the threat that he really is. 
we kind of downplay it. Now I want you to think about hell for an example. When we think about hell, and it's usually portrayed as this like big fire pit, like it's a big campfire or something. And we usually think of the devil, he's running around, he's having fun. That's like his playground, right? Well, hell's not really his playground. I think D.C. is, but that's a different topic, okay? Um, But hell is not a playground for anyone, okay? And we're going to talk about this a little bit. Hell is a place of punishment. Nobody's having fun there, including Satan. But that's what I want us to look at this morning. This is going to be a message that I doubt you've probably heard other than, other than Miss Nichols. But we don't hear many churches today, whether they're Baptist or whether they're Catholic or Methodist or Independent or whatever, we don't hear many messages today where we're really talking about hell. We don't hear a whole lot of it. It's not pleasant. None of us like to think about that kind of a topic. So that's why, let's be honest, we... As, as, as preachers, we oftentimes, we like folks to leave and we want them to feel good about being there. And we want to feel, feel uplifted and we want them to walk out and slap you on the back and say, that was a good message. You usually don't get a whole lot of those when you talk about hell, right? So this is not going to be some woo type message, all right? But it's one we need to hear. Because it is one of the motivating factors as to why we are Christians, okay? So now... If you are here this morning, you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. We have all been given a job. Does anybody know what that job is? I'm sorry, I didn't. Go make disciples, thank you. We're supposed to get out and tell people about Jesus Christ, right? All right, so how many of you, whether you're doing something around the house, you, you work for a living or whatever it is, you want to do a good job, right? You never want your boss to come in and say, well, Dustin, we need to talk about what you're doing. Things are not going too well. None of us want to hear that conversation, right? We always like to hear the boss say, man, you're doing a really good job. You need to keep it up. Now, you think about it. We have a boss, our Heavenly Father's our boss, and He's given us a job to do. Now, I want you to think about it this morning. If you were to sit down one-on-one with God for an evaluation on you doing your job of getting out and making disciples and telling people about Jesus Christ, how do you think that evaluation is going to look? You know, the sad thing in America today is I'm afraid most of our churches, most of our Christians, we're not doing our job. We don't really want to get out and tell people about Jesus Christ like we should. We come to church and and we we love being at church and we love talking about the things of Christ. And then we go out in the world and we get really quiet all of a sudden. And we don't seem to be as motivated. Now there are some people, I wish I had that kind of gusto. You know, they, they can just turn anything into an opportunity to witness. But most of us, we have to work really hard at it, don't we? And a lot of times we just decide it's better to just be quiet and go about our own, own things and, and not even worry about it. But that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be doing a good job. So this morning, that's why I, why I want us to look at this topic, because it needs to be a motivator for us. This is not a message for the lost, because most lost people are not going to be saved by hearing a message on hell. But rather, this is a message this morning for those of us who are saved, because too often... We're not properly motivated to get out and share the gospel of Christ. Many of us this morning, 
too many of us probably have loved ones that if they were to die right now, they would go to hell. Because they don't know who Jesus Christ is. That alone should be a big motivating factor for us. If we do not bring them the message of salvation and redemption, they will die and go to hell if they don't know Jesus Christ. Today's church, you and I, we need to be jolted out of our laziness. We need to realize that going to church is more than just going on Sunday morning and sitting in a chair, listening to a sermon, we leave, and that's all we do. There's so much more to it. So this morning, I want us to look at Revelation. We're going to be looking at two verses, uh, verse 7 and verse 8 of that 21st uh, chapter. Actually, I'm going to back it up a little bit. We're going to start at verse 5. It said, He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all of this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So when we read these verses this morning, at first, it's sounding pretty good. We read verse 7, everything seems wonderful. And then we get to verse 8, and we get hit hard with the bad news. Now, quick show of hands, how many of us have ever either heard or told a joke about hell? Right? We've probably all at least heard it, okay? Hell is no joking matter. When we read about this and we talk about it being the second death, it's no joking matter. Even though it's oftentimes the subject of many jokes, it really is It's a somber, it's a serious matter. Now, as Christians this morning, we can do one of three things with the topic of hell. We can reject it. We can just say, it's not my problem, I'm not worried about it, Uh, and, and that's our privilege. We can do that. We can ignore it. Or we can accept it and do something, excuse me, something about it. Now, when I say do something about it, no amount of witnessing, no amount of good works is going to make hell disappear a little bit, okay? It's not like we're going to work and all of a sudden hell has gone away. What What I mean by that is we can accept it, we acknowledge it's real, we acknowledge Satan is real and alive and well in this world today, and we can start doing our job to make sure that he and his cronies go there But the person sitting next to you, the person in your family, the person you see at Walmart, the person you run into each and every day, you are taking away those people from going there. That you're working to make sure that doesn't happen. So when we think of hell, like I talked about earlier, we tend to think of it kind of in comical terms. We think of that little fellow in the red suit, the horns, the pitchfork, has people shoveling coal. It's his playground. Satan promotes the laughter of hell through jokes, through comical illustrations, whatever it may be. It may seem innocent, but over time, it is my opinion that that is why so many people don't take it very seriously. If people don't understand the teachings of hell, they won't prepare to go to heaven. That's why, in my opinion, it is so important that our churches today Start teaching more about hell. You need, we need to hear more messages about this. 
Because if we don't know about it and aren't educated on it, how can we prepare ourselves and others to not go there? If people don't understand the teachings of hell, they won't want to get away from it. They won't prepare to go to heaven. They won't want to give their lives over to Christ. So oftentimes we joke about it, but what is hell going to be like for those who are unfortunate enough to find themselves there? Scripture tells us that it is a place of vile associations. Those who end up in hell have some very unfortunate companions. The fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable. It talks about murderers, it talks about whoremongers, it talks about sorcerers and idolaters. And then I want you to look back. I think it's in verse uh, 8 here. Yeah, it's in verse 8, right there at the end. It talks about in my, I use the NIV, but it talks about in my translation, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, idolaters, and then that very last one, it says all liars. I want you to think about that for a minute. All liars. So, you may be here this morning and you say, well, I don't practice witchcraft. I don't worship idols. Uh, I'm not uh, sexually immoral. But then you get to that liars part. Who in here has ever told a lie, right? Every single one of us, right? It doesn't matter how we try to justify it. Men, if your wife makes dinner and it tastes like heated Alpo, you're going to say, honey, this was delicious. May I have some more, right? I hope I have some leftovers in my lunchbox tomorrow. I, you, we look, we ain't stupid now, okay? You say something too bad and you'll end up, you should kill you in your sleep. But you know, we think about, in all seriousness, we think about things like that and we say, well, it wasn't really the truth, but I was trying not to hurt people's feelings. At the end of the day, it's still a lie, right? You know, before I got on, to, for those of you who don't really know me, I, I work with uh, Mecklenburg Electric now. And I was with the sheriff's office for seven years. Uh, and sometimes you had to go places and you had to talk to people about their loved ones who weren't there anymore. And oftentimes you get this question, well, did they suffer? Well, there's no way I could tell. But you sit there whole times and you're like, you know what, sometimes you don't, you don't want to tell people, yeah, they really did suffer. You know, you think about that kind of thing. You think you're doing somebody a favor, but no matter how we try to sugarcoat it, twist it to suit our agendas, or talk ourselves into it being the right thing to do, it was still a lie. But we look at that passage of Scripture, and it goes through all these horrible people, and then it gets to all liars. That's why this is so important. Because you don't have to be a bad person to still go to hell. There are no such things as good people. Even the folks that have been in church for 40, 50 years, you know what? We're still pretty dirty, rotten folks, aren't we? Just because we're Christians doesn't necessarily make us better than anybody else. It just means we realized we had problems. And we decided that apart from Jesus, we couldn't do anything about those problems. So we look at that kind of thing, and that ought to just really shake us. Because even though we see all this list of bad folks, we're still all liars. But think about getting back to the, the topic of hell and, and those that you'll be in association with. You're going to be around some of the worst of the worst, right? Those people who are unfortunate enough to find themselves in hell are going to be there with the worst of the worst. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, if I go to hell, I'm going to have plenty of friends or I'm going to have plenty of company? You know, 
Hell is a place of isolation and desolation, and this is the people that you'll be in isolation with. Now, I used this example the other day, and I'll use it again. How many of you right now would agree to be locked into a room for 24 hours with a serial killer? I got one hand going up there. She's brave. She's brave. I'm going to do it, but I want a Glock. Okay? But most people are not going to want to do that, right? Now, that doesn't mean that folks that have committed murder and all this stuff that they can't be saved. I'm not saying that. But I'm, what I'm saying is the typical person is not going to want to be around somebody with that kind of history, right? It would make us uncomfortable. We probably wouldn't sleep too well. But think about the folks that will find themselves in hell. That's the kind of people that they will find themselves in isolation with. If you're making notes, jot down Revelation 20, verse 10. Uh, when we look at that passage, we get to see who else their roommates will be. And that's going to be the devil that deceived them, that was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. And then you're going to have all his demons. Now... I like to think of myself as a pretty good-sized guy. I can handle myself. But my little five-year-old, he asked me a question one day. He said, Daddy, you think you could beat the devil up? I'm going to tell you now, no, I don't think I could beat the devil up. I think he would wipe the floor with this boy. I don't think I'd want to be anywhere around him, right? Nor his demons. We see that these are the types of people, the types of beings that you will be around. Do not be fooled. The devil is not in hell at this time, and he's not the Lord of hell. It's not his playground. It's where, um, it's where he is going to be punished for what he's done for all these years. Where is Satan at right now? Again, if you're making notes, write down Ephesians 2 verse 2. It speaks of how he walks to the course of this world. In Job chapter 1 verse 7 it records a conversation between the Lord and Satan where Satan responds that he was on the earth and he was walking up and down it. So where is Satan at right now? He's here among us. He's here among us. He or likely one of his minions is tracking you and I right now. Giving us a hard time, trying to, just waiting for us to slip up, trying to just, you know, make, make a case for how we are sorry people. In case you hadn't figured it out already, we already know we're sorry people, right? Apart from Jesus, there's no hope for us. <clears throat> He's not in hell, but one day he will be, and it's going to be a one-way trip, a one-way ticket. He's not going to be having fun, but he's going to be a prisoner. Those who refuse the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, they will be in hell with Satan. They're going to be there with not only with Satan, but the beast, the false prophets, the demons, and all the ungodly. Sounds like uh, a party we would really want to go to, right? We really want to get as far away from it. But not only that, but they'll be separated from those who are godly for all eternity. And not only will they be separated from the godly and the righteous, but, the, but hell is a place of sensual misery, okay? A misery of the senses. Those who are in, in hell will be able to physically feel now, the reason we know this is because Scripture tells us. When we look at Luke 16, verses 23 and 25, Christ tells a story uh, contrasting the eternal destiny of a certain rich man and a poor beggar named Lazarus. Now, the rich man, upon his death, not because of his wealth, 
But because of his rejection of God, he wakes up, he finds himself in hell. Three times while Christ is telling that, he uses the word torment to describe the, man's, uh, the rich man's conditions when he woke up in hell and the fire that he felt. Now, whether Christ is talking about a literal fire, a figurative fire, that's not important. Okay, that makes no difference. What is intended to be conveyed to us and to those that he was talking to that day was that you will be tormented in hell. People who are in hell will be tormented. <clears throat> Excuse me. If we look again at Luke 16, verse 25, we see that Abraham says to the rich man, he says, Son, remember. And what that tells us about hell is that those who go to hell are going to take their memories with them. Whoever's doing that, thank you, by the way. Um, they will take their memories with them. Memories that are going to sting them like a hornet. To those who are condemned to hell, they're going to remember every single prayer for them to be saved. They are going to remember every message that was heard where the speaker implored them to give their life over to Christ. They're going to remember every single opportunity and they're going to remember every time they said no. Now, how many of us have ever made bad decisions? Don't look at your husband or wife and say, yep, okay, that's not nice. That really hurts your feelings, okay? Because they agreed as well. So anyway, but we've all made bad decisions, okay? Some of us, at the end of the day, it may not have been that big a deal. You know, that bad decision may have been we had an extra slice of pizza and we shouldn't. It could have been something we did that really had bad consequences that's followed us the rest of our life. But either way, we've made bad decisions, and sometimes we think about them and they bother us. We just waste so much time thinking about stuff we can't do anything about. Think about the mental agony of these people who find themselves in hell and they can remember all of this. And they will know that it is only their fault as to the reason they're there. We're told whosoever may come, anybody can come and be saved. The doors there are open for us. We just have to be willing to go to it, right? But think about the physical and mental agony of these people. But in addition to all of this, hell is also a place of eternal darkness and everlasting hopelessness. In Matthew chapter 8, Christ said that the children of the kingdom of Satan who had rejected Christ shall be cast into outer darkness. Now, there are a lot of things when it comes to the subject of hell that we can maybe sort of imagine, but let's be honest. Hell is unlike anything any of us have ever experienced. We can't really wrap our minds around this. We know what darkness is. I don't think we can wrap our minds around what true outer darkness would really be like. Now, I shared this the other day, but I'll do it again. We recently went up to the caverns up in Luray. You know, you usually go through there and they get to a point, they'll shut the lights out. Have any of y'all ever been on those trips? You can't see your hand in front of your face, okay? You dare not move because you don't know what you'll trip over, fall into, or anything like that. That's about the, the darkest of dark that I can even think of. And I'll be honest, in my personal opinion, I don't believe it even comes close to what that, um, what that darkness is going to be like. 
I don't think that even comes close to what outer darkness will be. Those who die without Christ, never again will they see the glimmer of light. Never again will they see the twinkle of a star, the glory of the sun, the luster of the moon. Scripture calls it outer darkness. Those who die without Christ will never see light again, but rather the blackness of darkness forever. It's a pretty, pretty bad picture when you think about it. It's important for us to know that at this very moment in time, all of us, if we have not already accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, but every single person living on this earth can be saved if they want to be saved. Because we can accept Christ as our Lord now. If we have rejected Christ, for those who have rejected Christ, when they die, hope dies with them. After death, there is no second chances. There's no more opportunities for repentance. Now, it would be bad enough for us to hear from our doctor that things for us are hopeless, that we have some kind of diagnosis, that there's nothing they can do for us. But imagine how much worse and, and how sad it would be to be in hell knowing that it was hopeless and that there is never, ever a way out, that you were there for eternity. If you had the idea that you could say, well, I'm going to spend a thousand years here and then I'll get out. You at least had something to look forward to, right? They don't have that hope. Revelation 14 says that those that are in hell shall be tormented with fire forever and ever. There's no end to that. Why is all of this important to us? You may be sitting here this morning saying, well, I'm a Christian. I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I don't have to worry about this. You're absolutely right. Jesus Christ is the only reason any of us don't have to worry about going to hell when we die. If we've accepted Him as our Lord and Savior. He took care of taking care of, He took care of all of that stuff for us. As bad as you and I are, all the sins that we've done, we have for forgiveness of them, we get to spend eternity in heaven with Him. So why is this important to us? Because this needs to be a motivating factor for us to get out there, beating the bushes, if you will, telling others about Jesus Christ. Now let's think about people that we come in contact with. How many... Folks in here really like everybody you've ever met, right? I can honestly tell you, uh, no. Okay? You don't always enjoy being around everybody you come into contact with. But you know what? Scripture tells us we're supposed to love them. Because you think about it. If God loved like we love or liked or tolerated like we tolerate, we'd be in trouble. Because in our minds, you know what? We're really, really good people. We're fine, upstanding citizens. But let's be honest. We're dirty, rotten scoundrels. There's not a person who's ever walked to the face of the earth that doesn't have somebody who doesn't particularly care for them. Believe it or not, there are people out there who don't like me, right? They're crazy, I know. But, but we're called to love people. 
the person that's in Walmart right now that does not know Jesus Christ, none of us should want that person to go to hell. We should love that individual to want them to be saved, to go to heaven, whether we know them or we don't. That's why this message is so important for us as believers this morning. Yes, we don't have to worry about going to hell ourselves. But we ought to want to get out there with this energy that's unlike anything we've ever seen before to get out there and tell others so that they don't go. We live in a world today where we're told to look out for ourselves, you do things that are best for ourselves, and it's human nature. If we were all standing here in a group right now and all of a sudden there was a copperhead laying there around us, guess what? I'm going to get over there and then I'm going to say, hey, Glenn, you need to move as a snake, right? That's human nature, right? You don't have to outrun the bear, you just have to outrun your friend, right? That's human nature. Look out for yourselves. That's human nature. That's worldly nature. That's not God's nature. That's not a Christian's nature. It's not supposed to be. We're supposed to be doing everything we can to get them away from that snake. We're supposed to be doing everything we can to keep them from going to hell. Like I said, this is not a message that we hear a whole lot in our churches today. It's not a a really positive message, right? None of you woke up this morning going, I hope I'll go to church and and get to hear about hell, right? Nah, we don't hear about it. None of us want that. We all like to leave church feeling really good about ourselves, right? But it's important for the church to hear this. Because perhaps now more than ever, we're living in a world. The world's never like Christians, but it really doesn't like Christianity. It doesn't like anything to do with Christ right now. But we're living in a world of people who really need to know who Jesus Christ is. They may go use His name in vain, but they don't know who He is. We've been given a great job. Think about this for a second. A job that even the angels in heaven haven't been given. The angels are not commanded to go and share the gospel and to make disciples. They're not asked to do that. We are. You talk about a privilege. And every day we encounter people who are on the fast path to spending all of eternity in hell because they have either not heard the message of Christ or they have rejected it to this point. We should feel burdened to do everything that we can to prevent anyone from ending up in a position where they are in eternal darkness, devoid of all hope, and cut off forever to the righteousness of God. God does not want anybody to go to hell. You hear a whole lot of times, well, if God was a loving God, He wouldn't send people to hell. God is a loving God, but God's also a just God. For those of you who are in in here who are parents, you love your children. But at some point, you've had to tear that tail up, right? You can admit to it. We ain't calling social services, okay? Why did you do it? You didn't do it because you loved it. Now, when I was a kid, I used to think my daddy loved just having to pop me with the belt. As I have become older and a parent myself, I understand. I deserved every one of those whoopings. Probably needed a few more, right? But the reason I know they did it is because they loved me. And they wanted to get through this thick skull that what I was doing was wrong. 
And I like to think that that's the reason that I ended up at the sheriff's office and not Blue Ridge, okay? Um, but we discipline our kids because we love them so much we want them to know, okay? God's a loving God, but he's a just God. He gives us incredible amount of opportunities. But when our time here on earth is done, hey, we had an opportunity every second of every day. God doesn't want any of us to go to hell. He's a loving God, but a just God. If any person goes to hell, they sent themselves there because God has put in our road, in the middle of the road on, uh, to hell, He's put the cross of Jesus Christ. In order for us to get there, we have to climb up over that cross, act like we didn't even see it, and keep on. We are living in a world where according to this poll, almost half of people don't even believe that this place exists. You know, if we asked across the country, we'd probably find out that there's an alarming number of people in a church this morning that may not believe that. And that's kind of scary. That's very scary. Each and every one of us ought to want to leave here this morning and want to go tell people about Jesus Christ. Tell it until they don't want to hear it anymore and then tell them again. Do our job to get out to keep people from spending eternity in hell. Don't get the idea that you're, you only have eternal life if you're saved, okay? We oftentimes hear that. We get saved by Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. Every person who's born has eternal life. It's where you spend it that's the big difference. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have eternal life just like the person who rejects Jesus Christ. You just get to spend it in heaven with Him. If you reject Jesus Christ, you still have eternity or eternal life. You just get to spend it in hell. Like I said, I, I wanted to use, do this message again, even though I know I had just finished it and just did it last week at a different church. But when I was thinking about communion, I said, this is a perfect message for it. Because we're going to stop here in a little bit and we're going to reflect on what Jesus did for us on that cross. The beating that he took, the blood that was shed, the torture that he went through. And he did it for you, and he did it for myself, and he did it for every single person. And why? Because God loved us so much, he didn't want us to go to hell, and he knew that was the only way it could be done. Oftentimes, and I myself am guilty of it, we've sat through communion sometimes, and we just go through it real quick, and we don't really give much thought to it as to what it means. And it's so much more than just taking a little bread and a, a little juice, a little wine, whatever the church may use. It's so much more than that. It should mean so much more to us than just something we rush through. Hell is a very real place. It was not designed for us. It was designed for Satan and his demons. But because of sin, those who don't know Jesus Christ, that's where they go. So if you get nothing else from my ramblings today... Take this with you. When we walk out this door, 
We're going into a world we've never been in before. We don't know what's going to come our way. But we know this. Jesus Christ is very important in our lives. Should be very important in our lives. That we all have sin. And that apart from Him, we cannot have forgiveness of that sin. And apart from Him, people will spend eternity in hell. Take advantage of those opportunities to tell them about Jesus Christ. If they reject it, that's on them. But you do everything you can so that they have had an opportunity to hear the gospel. Let's pray. Dear Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us, the strength to rise from our beds, the privilege to gather here in your home this morning, in your house, in your presence, as we come together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And as we've studied your word, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us have a new energy and a new zeal, and we just we know that you have given us a great responsibility to go out and to tell others about Jesus Christ, to tell them about your Son who came to this earth and who died on that cross so that if we simply accept Him as our Lord and Savior and, and repent of our sins and ask for forgiveness, that we would be given that forgiveness and that we get to spend eternity when our time here on earth is done, in your kingdom, in your presence. Lord, we pray that each and every one of us would leave here this morning, that we take advantage of those opportunities we're given, that we tell others about Jesus Christ, and that they would hear the message, hear about your Son, and that they would accept Him, and that they would be spared from spending eternity in hell. Lord, we love you, and we know that you loved us so much. And that you've asked us to simply do one small thing, and that's just tell the good news. Give us the courage to do so in a world that has boldly turned against you. Help us to stand firm in our faith no matter what may come our way and realize that as long as we stand firm on your word, you will not, you're not going to abandon us. You're always with us. We just simply have to trust in you. Lord, again, we love you and we thank you. And we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at FCCSobo.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, and we hope you have a wonderful week.